And welcome in to the Armando is a Prophet edition of <laughs> the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley. Did I tell you or did I tell you? You told me. You 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 nailed it, and I was wrong. Which which leads me to the question: What's uh, what's the Powerball number? It's up to forty million dollars. The Powerball number is four. I have no <laughs> idea what. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You only you you can only predict matchups of very bad football teams. That's uh that's one thing I you know look. The Miami Dolphins won their first game of the season, their first game since December of 2018 by defeating the New York Jets last Sunday, but it was kind of easy to see that coming because the Jets are just not a disciplined team, and and they were all of not that again on Sunday against the Dolphins. Yeah, um, we love Adam Gase. We enjoy him, uh, and I think at some point he'll get this thing turned around. But there have been some uh, carryovers from his time in Miami to his time in New York, uh, and a bunch of penalties and an ineffective offense are two of them. So all those things that drove Dolphins fans crazy for the last three years made them celebrate on Sunday because the Dolphins – finally beneficiaries of uh, Gase's flaws. And Adam, on the other side of the coin, um, I got to I gotta tip my hat to uh, Brian Flores because his team that is not exceedingly talented, that was horrible earlier in the season and especially the first uh, couple of weeks of the season, has shown market improvement, and they are playing with, one, discipline. They're the lowest um, or near the lowest in penalties in the NFL. At one point, two years ago, they led the league. They, They don't do stupid stuff for the most part. I mean, sometimes they do stupid stuff, but generally they don't do stupid stuff. They're showing that they're getting better, and that tells me that this coaching staff it has promise. It it is possible that these guys, um, you know, can if you give them more talented players, they'll get more, you know, talented player type results. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, I'm I'm bought in. Um, I, I think the fact that they've been now is it four weeks in a row competitive, um, and and finally figured out on Sunday uh, how not to, to to piss away the second half. Um, you know, I, I think it certainly bodes well for the future of this organization. You mentioned penalties. I don't think they're turning the ball over a ton. I think they've even uh, they've even corralled Fitzmagic and uh, had him throw to the right team, which in the past has been one of his concerns. So, yeah, totally. I think the defense has signs of when they have the right personnel of being so confusing. And and if they get that back end uh, figured out and, and, and get a pass rusher or two, could be, it could be a good defense. And this rebuild, which you and I have thought might take a long, painful time, could be accelerated a bit. I mean, they're going to have, now with the Kenyon Drake trade, they're going to have 14 draft picks. In, in 2020, 
And I think of those 14, uh, six will be in the first day, eight will be in the second two days. I'm sorry, yeah, six will be in the first two days, eight will be in the third day. They're going to have ammunition. I know they didn't get a ton of uh, a ton of value out of their draft this past year, but they only had two of the first 150 picks. That's not going to be the case going forward. So, yeah, I think if you're a Dolphins fan, based on what you've seen, you've got to be encouraged. Now, all that being said, Armando, don't win another game. Go 1-15. Get the number one pick because there's a lot of competition for that number one pick that we didn't see coming. There is a lot of competition for that number one pick. On the other hand, you know, <laughs> there's, uh, from the talent perspective, there's a lot of competition for that number one pick <laughs> to be that number one pick because everybody's kind of bunched up. There is no, definitely there is no one quarterback that tells you I'm the guy, pick me. There is none of that yet. There is no Andrew Luck or John Elway. Totally agree. I totally agree. And we've, we've, we've gone round and round on, you know, to his strengths and weaknesses and his concerns and his, his upside and all that. And, you know, I'm a fan of Joe Burrow. I'm not so big fan of uh, Justin Herbert. And, you know, Jordan Love will be around maybe if they, uh, if they pass him. No. <laughs> no. No. He had one game that made, was really ugly against LSU, and we've all forgotten about him. But he's still probably going to be a first-round pick. So there, there will be, there will be options for them. But Mondo, I, I do this weekly series. I look at the opposing team's roster and how it was built, and the Colts are a good blueprint for the Dolphins because they've had 29 draft picks in the last three years. They have 107 million dollars in cap space next year. They didn't have to tank for their their franchise quarter, their starting quarterback, who showed a lot of promise, and. Wow. Huh? Yeah, you don't like Jacoby Brissett? Adam, we all know that Jacoby Brissett was never supposed to be their starting quarterback. Right? They had a pl- they had a plan B, and it's working, man. No, I I get it. They had a plan B, but they never hoped that they would reach the plan B. They, I mean, they did in fact tank for Andrew. They didn't tank. But they were terrible one year, and they got Andrew Luck. and That, that was a generation ago. We're talking about the here and now, Armando. Uh, yeah. yeah, the generation ago quarterback uh, retired two months ago. <laughs> so, so and, and by the way, he retired without a championship, without having fulfilled all the promise that he had coming out. And that guy was a generational quarterback at, drafted at number one. I will say this about the Colts. They have $107 million of cap space next year, and they have a talented roster. And, and Chris Ballard's done an excellent job, I think, after taking over for that, in your words, proof, uh, Ryan Grigson, who was absolutely awful at his job. So um, I think you can, you can glean some, some insight from, from how the Colts have operated and apply it to the Dolphins. Look, the Dolphins are going to have so many draft picks next year. My guess is they don't even use them all. They're going to either trade for some veterans that are on favorable contracts, or they're going to trade back and get more picks in 20 because because Greer wants it to be an annual thing where he has 10-plus draft picks. So I think they're, they're going to do it that way. 
But yeah, I, I think the future is is bright for the Dolphins. They just have to survive the present, which now without Preston Williams, without Mark Walton, without Xavier Howard, it's 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 going to be rough. I mean, they're what are they, 11, 12 point underdogs uh, in Indianapolis next week, and we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be for the Colts. Um, the it was a feel good story on Sunday, but I don't think it's going to be the beginning of a trend of a bunch of wins for this team. Uh, I'll leave this this little topic here, but the one thing that I hope the Miami Dolphins learn from the Indianapolis Colts is, yeah, go get yourself your franchise quarterback guy, but immediately thereafter or even before, you better have an offensive line to protect him. Otherwise, he's going to be out of the league in four years or five years. That's what I hope that they learn from the Indianapolis Colts because the Colts for years and years and years allowed Andrew Luck to basically win based on sheer athletic ability, based on, you know, just blood and guts, and ultimately he bled out and had to retire because he couldn't stand the pain anymore. A great quarterback who didn't want to play anymore because it was just too much. And if the Dolphins, who have kind of a, you know, a history for fielding sucky offensive lines, um, agree or disagree on that? Uh, Agree. Okay. If they don't get their act together and make it an unsucky offensive line for that, you know, number one, number two pick, whatever it is, uh, that's not a a formula for success. I, I have a rebuttal to that, Armando, but give me a second. We have to uh, pause for a word from our sponsors. So, Armando, I know the Colts had a bad offensive line, but it's not been from lack of trying, and it's been actually much better the last two years. They have three first-round picks and a second-round pick on that line, and I think that's what the Dolphins are going to need to do going forward. Yes, they like Jesse Davis. I think he's a fine fifth or sixth offensive lineman. He is a he, he is an excellent swing tackling guard. If he is your first guy off the bench, you have a good offensive line. But if he's your starting left and right tackle, you got problems. So I hope at the very least they use one, if not two, of those first or second or third round draft picks on offensive linemen this coming year because what they have is not nearly good enough. Yeah, the Colts did a great job these last two years. Andrew Luck was picked in 2012. Right. Right. So he went five years, uh, you know, basically in survival mode. So let's let's be clear about that a little bit. You mentioned some of the guys that the Dolphins don't have anymore. The Preston Williams uh, ACL injury out for the year. That's 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 terrible. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no silver lining. I, I know. Flo yesterday uh, tried to, to put a positive spin on it, saying, well, it'll give him time to get his body right and get in the classroom and, and make himself a complete player. Uh, you know who uh, suffered an ACL injury this time, exactly this time last year, Armando? No. Cordray Tankersley. And you know what Cordray Tankersley is doing right now? He's still trying to get right. Maybe this is the week they activate him. But for Tankersley, it was a full 12-month injury. Best case scenario, yes, is nine months. Maybe he makes a, a maybe he's a fast healer and he's ready for training camp. But nope. you talk, but you talk to Raquan McMillan, 
And he said year two for him, he's playing better in year three than he was for year two because he wasn't ready in year two. His body was not right. So it's there. There's no there's no positive spin on the Preston Williams injury. They're going to probably have to address free agency in the draft as if he's not going to be ready for the start of the season next year. And anything they do get from him in 2020 is going to be a bonus. Yeah, by the way, the fact that we're talking about a guy who was undrafted as a major, uh, you know, a major problem now that he's out, that tells you, number one, the quality of Preston Williams, number two, the lack of quality uh, in the wide receiver room at this point. They need they need more players and better players in that room, I would say. I, I would I would agree. I think Albert Wilson's as much as I like him personally, I think he's playing his last eight games as a Miami Dolphin. Uh, they were able to get out of that contract with next to no pain next year. And you look at him, you watch him, does he seem right to you? Does he seem like he's got that same burst he had in, in 18? He doesn't. And also, beyond that, uh, Dolphin fans are not going to like hearing this, but Adam Gase used them better than what Chad O'Shea uses him. I agree. Adam, Adam Gase had more uh, innovative ways of, of, you know, making him part of the offense that Chad O'Shea simply has not tried, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think a healthy Preston Williams, I put this on Twitter, you gave me uh, a little a little ribbing for it, but a healthy Preston Williams, um, Devontae Parker, who actually has been solid, right? I mean, we'd all agree that for the contract he's under, and I think he's making like $5 million this year, you'll, you'll, you'll take the production he's given you. He hasn't been the, the problem this year. No, correct. And and Jakeem is your four, your five. You get a guy like Judy or one of the other 17 Alabama wide receivers that are going to be awesome in the NFL, in my opinion, and you've got a pretty good room. Now you, you've got to do some work now with that Williams injury. You have to. Uh, if not a first-round pick, you've got to go out and spend money in free agency at, at the position. Um, they, they can't camp, come back in 2020 with basically the same group and just keep their fingers crossed that Preston will be okay. It's, it, it won't be nearly good enough. So the Dolphins need a quarterback, the Dolphins need an offensive line, or at least three offensive linemen, and the Dolphins need wide receiver outside talent. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're ready to roll, baby. Hey, but, but do, they have a, do they have a tight end now? I don't know. I Look, um, so we saw a year and a half of bad – Mike Gesicki, we've seen two, maybe three games of solid to good Mike Gesicki. I'll, I'll, I'll believe in Mike Gesicki when it's a year of solid to good Mike Gesicki. Yeah, I think he's fine as a number two. Uh, he's not, he's not a tight end. Though. Let's, let's be honest. He's a very tall slot receiver. I mean. He, they're not going to ask him. I don't think any coaching staff ever in the NFL is going to ask him to be a 65 to 70 snap a game guy who is an inline tight end at times uh, and then can also split out wide. He's just not that dude. He's a wide receiver that's really tall and he's built like a tight end. And there's there's a place for that in the NFL, right? I mean, there, if, if you use him correctly, he he can be valuable. And I think they are using him 
uh, correctly now, but it's it's telling that you know Clive Walford they they, they had enough Valeri. They're trying to find something at tight end. They're trying to find another guy that can eat up snaps because Gasicki, while he has shown flashes in the passing game, is, is never going to be that dude on the line of scrimmage. So um, I think they have one of two or three tight ends that they need. So that's good. I mean, I think they have two wide receivers and one tight end, and total from that group, they need like four or five more dudes to have a really good group. So they need three offensive linemen, they need one tight end, they need two or three wide receivers. By the way, they need running backs. They need running backs, Beasley, because Mark Walton is suspended for four games. Kenyon Drake got traded. Jay Ajay is out there, but he's not in here. And we've got Kalen Balaj right now. Kalen wow. Balaj. Gaskins and uh, Laird. Laird, yeah. Yeah, well, would you you be okay with the return of Jay Ajayi? I don't think the Dolphins would do that. No. Uh, I think that there's still people in the room who are aware of how Jay Ajayi responded in victories (laughs) when he didn't get his. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That was not a good look. So yes. there's that. Are you worried about the Mark Walton suspension? Uh, again, we're back to in a normal year, yes, I would be. I mean, yes, I, of course, you, you lose your starting running back the week after you trade your number two running back, you're in trouble. Maybe, maybe Miles Gaskin shows them something they can salvage that draft pick. But, yeah, obviously in a normal year, it would be, you know, DEFCON 3 right now. But – we know that they're not going to win a ton of football games and probably they'd be okay with it. Like, they're, they're not going to win on Sunday, Mondo. Who do, who do they play after that? Who do they have after the Colts? Cleveland? Uh, is, it, is that the following week? Uh, man, I take them one game at a time. You know yeah, that? Yeah. I, have you heard? Yeah, yeah. Have no, you heard that? that? That's smart. No, I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking at the schedule right now. No, the, play- Bills are after, uh, the Bills are after – uh, Indianapolis, and then at Cleveland. And then home against the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could very easily be. I, I know Flo talked yesterday about breaking the season into quarters. It could be an 0-4 quarter for this team. Uh, and so then you're going down the stretch with two of your – with three games against bad teams, right? I mean, the, the Giants we saw last night aren't good. Um, the, the, the Bengals we know aren't good, and the Jets we know Ooh. aren't good. So those three games there, December 8th, 15th, and 22nd, if they win two of those three games, they're not getting two of them. I mean, they're just not. But I, I, I don't see them getting a win for a while now. I think their next four games are all losses. Let's use this little transition to uh, wrap things up a little bit. Since you mentioned Tua, on Saturday, on Saturday in Tuscaloosa, LSU visits Alabama. The big elephant taking on the the big tiger. And that is the game that may determine who the first overall draft pick is in the 2020 draft, Adam Beasley. And I am all on board the Borough Express. I I hope he plays lights out. I hope he's fantastic. 
um, because that means there are two legit quarterbacks in the draft. And the Dolphins, if they don't get that number one pick, will get one of those two guys. And I'll, and, and, and I'll rest easier. But if Burrow goes out there against, let's be honest, an NFL-caliber defense in Alabama and, 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 and defecates down his leg, um, the, the Dolphins are – Things things get really complicated then because there might be one really good quarterback and the rest you're kind of keeping your fingers crossed. Right. I mean, we're not saying that one game is going to make or break either Tua or uh, Burroughs, but uh, – and it's Burrow, not Burroughs. <laughs> Burroughs is something you need when you're on the prairie and you need to get the, the wagon across – Kansas. <laughs> you have Burroughs pulling it. Um, but <laughs> things I didn't think I'd be saying during this yeah. podcast. Uh, but, you know, this is a big one. This is your LSU's defense brings it. Alabama's defense brings it. We're going to see which one or if either of these quarterbacks are up to that standard and up to that challenge. Because if they're not up to that challenge, eh, I don't know. How are they going to do against the Patriots? Yeah, exactly. How are they going to do against the Patriots? How are they going to do against, you know, San Francisco when they play in the Super Bowl in 2027? (laughs) You know, all that stuff. All that stuff. And so I'm going to be – Actually, I'm going to be more than interested in that game. So we'll see where that ends up. We asked last week about a prediction uh, for the Dolphins versus the Jets. I'm going to throw you a curveball, Beasley. On Saturday, the better quarterback will be. Oh, Burrow, because he's healthy. I don't think Tua is going to be right physically. All right. You heard it there first. Joe Burrow. Better than Tua Tagovailoa. Really? Really? <laughs> um, don't don't discount Justin Herbert, bees. Don't oh, I, I will walk into oncoming traffic if they draft Justin Herbert. Why? Why? Uh, didn't we just get through seven years of Ryan Tannehill? I know, but he's got something that Ryan didn't have. He doesn't. He's not distant. Uh, and I don't mean because he's in Oregon. I mean that uh, his his makeup is more one of the guys than than what Ryan was. He also has Mario Cristobal as his head coach. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and as you know, you know, you can't be around a Cuban and be distant. <laughs> Very true. All right, we appreciate you uh, tuning in for this latest edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. We'll be back next week as always. Adam, great show, bro. You too, my friend.